Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign. My name is Travis, and I'll be your keeper today. Uh, this is episode 22, I believe, and today I just have John and Justin with me, so we're gonna maybe go on a little side trek here. But before we get into that, let's get an introduction from our two investigators. All right, I'm Justin. I'm playing Lance Monroe, who is still shaking off the after effects of a harrowing night trying to escape a dark hunter and is uh, looking to uh, find out if uh, Lamar has any more information. I'm John playing James Whitmire, who has become, uh, or is becoming, a little obsessed with this dream world that he's starting to explore. Alright, so our in-universe time is June 17th, just after breakfast. I believe that's right. Is that what you guys have, the 17th, for those who have been keeping track? Yep. Yes. And um, Monroe and Dr. Andrews had just left the hospital where you were visiting James Clark, and Dr. Andrews said he had a meeting arranged, and he wished you well, and Mr. Monroe, you had planned to go drop in on Lamar and see if he had that list together where the man with the lisping man with the odd shadow had been purchasing items on the regular. So that's where we will begin. You've made your way across town. You're standing outside of Orion's spiritual goods, and you go in and hear the uh, telltale Near Eastern chime as you enter. And there you see Lamar standing behind the counter, dutifully awaiting a customer. Now, he uh, normally pales when somebody walks in, but uh, he's gotten used to your drop in visits, and uh, he takes it calmly. Lamar has sort of a small smile on his face, and he's like, Ah, Mr. Monroe, good morning. How are you good doing? Good morning. Uh, still a little worse for wear. My my ribs are still uh, bothering me after a, a bad incident, but on on the whole, I consider myself in good form. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, the ear's knitting itself quite nicely. Of course, it'll be deformed from now on, but what can you do? Uh, you say you're ribs are injured what happened oh just a uh, an incident with a, a car and me stepping out into traffic without uh paying attention oh well thank god you didn't suffer a worse injury um oh don't i know it well i have that uh that list we're interested in if you wanted to take a look i wrote it down right here and he slides a paper across the counter thank you very much for doing this for me lamar i know no issue whatsoever. So, he just has a kind of bullet point list of items, and he's talking while you're reading over it. He says, yeah, they're 
fairly standard items, you know, ceremonial linens, beeswax, perfumes, frankincense, oils, natron. There were a few odd ones. He asked for extract from yellow lotus, which I found that nobody really keeps that in stock because it hasn't come up in any of the occult stuff I'm aware of, so I had to prepare it myself. And one odd item he called, he asked for was called Glund Fluid, which I had no idea what it was or where to find it. Uh, have you heard of it? Have I? Uh, you can give me a Cthulhu Mythos roll. All right. No. I'd consider burning some luck, but that's a little more than I want to. You may also give me an archaeology roll. That I have much higher. Oh, or not. <laughs> well, uh, you're not. Push it. Yeah. I mean, that's an option. More um, luck. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and try and push it. I'm guessing if I fail, then uh, I'll completely misidentify it. We'll do something a little bit different. We'll be like, maybe there's something about this glund, this glund fluid. So we'll have you kind of fail forward where if you fail the push, you're going to have a realization about what this glund fluid is and uh, and maybe a little bit of sand loss is on the line. Okay. Luck be with me. Okay. All right. I succeeded the push. You can determine that by this list of items, he is, it seems to you as though he's performing or he's at least gathering the items required for you know, your standard Egyptian style mummification process. Okay. Although this still leaves Glund fluid as a, a kind of a mystery to you, but, um, you know, perhaps it was some esoteric item that you never came across because Egyptian studies were only part of your your education. Okay. Yeah, so there you have it, Mr. Monroe. Does that illuminate anything for you? I say, well, from the research that I've done, that seems like they're gathering the items for a mummification of some sort. Is that? Though I'm still unsure on what glund fluid is or where to find it. Yeah, I did a little bit of searching at the library, but I'm afraid nothing came up. Now, hmm. I, mummifications, that doesn't sound like it's legal. I'm sure there are stipulations on how one must be buried these days. Of course, I'm not an undertaker. I don't really know that. But Yes, I'm, I'm rather unsure myself, but I, I assume that it can't be too much different than the general embalming that is general practice these days. Perhaps just slightly different. Perhaps. I can only speculate. Um, but yeah, like I said, every you know, maybe three or four months he'll come in and get the, the same allotment. And mm. uh, I wonder what else he could be using it for, because it seem likely that this man... You, do you know this man, his occupation? Uh, we're acquaintances and uh, have run in some of the same circles. So uh, we've, we've spoken a, a time or two. I wouldn't call him uh, a friend of any sorts, but he has uh, broadened my horizons, as it were. Oh, interesting. Perhaps you shall have to give us an introduction. Well, I'm sure that uh, if he decides to... Uh, speak to you on some of those matters that he will when he comes in next? Of course, but I was more speaking to, you know, breaking past the customer relationship. You know, that can be very cold. People don't often move beyond that, I have found. Very true. Although he has shown interest in those frog statues, so if you ask him questions about it, that may open up a, uh, a discussion that, that broaches the subject for you. Well, I shall have to remember that when next I see him. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you had mentioned that there were some strange dreams associated with the statue, and I 
I think I had one, but I'm not certain. It's very vague. Uh, something about a windmill, but beyond that, I can't can't say much more. Yes, that's a that's actually the exact dream that everyone seems to share. And past the windmill is a what 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 is past the windmill? Have you explored in the dream at all? Well, I guess I'll just have to keep dreaming. Is there? Do you have any advice? You know, uh, I have heard, although not studied it deeply, this idea of lucid dreaming. Uh, I don't quite grasp the concept, but I do have the basics, some ability to control your dream. Have you heard of such? I've heard some basic understanding of it, but I'm afraid that I I haven't been able to put it into practice while in in that dream. Uh, I I attempted it, but it didn't seem to work for me. So I've spent my nights, whenever I have those dreams, just exploring the archaeological ruins underneath the mound. Well, that would be fascinating. I will keep a lookout. Maybe I'll begin a dream journal, uh, a habit I fell out of. I used to do it through my college years, but not so much lately. Will there be anything else today, Monroe? Well, you mentioned lucid dreaming. Do you happen to have any resources on it that are in your shop? I have a few books on or mostly psychological texts, but you can take a look at them. I of think. course, yes. Uh, here, let's take a walk over. Uh, he just, you know, where you got the uh, gr- the great grimoire the other mm-hmm. day, you know, this uh, pretty much just one side of the store where the wall is books. And he kind of, with his index finger, he's going across the rows and he points out to one and, and he hands you a book here. Yeah, so this would be a, a relatively recent publication within the last 20 years, anyways. So this is uh, Sigmund Freud's in The Interpretation of Dreams. He just asks if you have read much about him. I'm afraid I have not. Um, do I have any knowledge of Sigmund Freud? That would uh, You could do an extreme education role, but it would primarily fall under the psychoanalysis skill. Okay, yeah, my psychoanalysis is at a one, so we'll try the extreme education, see if I manage to overhear anything in passing. I overheard something in passing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so um, it there is a section, although maybe not in real life, but anyhow, in this universe, there is a section that uh, speaks a little bit about the practical steps one must take to attempt lucid dreaming and how that might be achieved. So um, this can be things like you know, little physical reminders uh, that would perhaps make it into the dream state, you know, whether that be like a metronome in your room or, you know, something you could key on to alert you to the fact that you're actually dreaming, those sorts of things, and uh, all very interesting, and there are several different methods that you could try to begin lucid dreaming. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll happily take that. So, yeah, um, he... Uh, he says, well, uh, are you going to pick anything else up today? Uh, unless you have any other things you suggest on lucid dreaming, then I believe that this would be it. Okay. So he rings you up. We'll say it's about $8 for this particular tome. Okay. That's within my spending limit. Okay. And uh, we works. We will fade on you there at the Orion's uh, okay. spiritual goods and hop over to Whitmire, who had wanted to go check on the Great Knights. Yeah, so you drive around the part of town, you know, where these kids normally hang out. And at this time of day, you do see Bill standing on the corner with those burlap bags stuffed with the latest edition of the Boston Globe. And he's hawking the papers on the corner, you know. Uh, you got at Key's Wharf, read all about it. Four men dead, right. one arrested. 
was I'll uh, pull up on the side and head over to him and tell him that I'll take a paper. Okay. Yeah, it's it's very small amount of money, almost certain to come in under anyone, even a beggar's uh, daily spending limit. And like, hey, how'd the operation go? Well, it, it didn't turn out as planned, but it was successful. So I was actually coming to make sure you guys are uh, are all doing all right. Yeah, it was kind of boring over there where we were stationed. We didn't really see anything that made sense to us, you know. We didn't see the guys you were talking about, but so uh, he's all right, the guy you were looking for? Well, I wouldn't say all right, but he's alive, and that that's what matters. Is, I'm sure that he'll bounce back. <laughs> His voice kind of pitches low. Hey, he's Wharf. I remember you mentioned it as a, one of the spots. You have something to do with this? You shoot up all those guys? I actually missed the whole thing. As by the time that I heard about what was going on, everything was over. I'm not quite sure what happened, but that's part of what I'm trying to piece together. As I know that the doctor got out, as I know that he's missing uh, some portions of his uh, you know, arms or arm that he shouldn't be, at least the skin. Uh-huh. Uh, an expression across his face where he seems uh, somewhat horrified but also disappointed to have missed it in person. He's like, well, I guess the only thing maybe I we saw was uh, some guy, you know, shoot us along. He, he spoke French. First, I think it was French, kind of sounded that way. At the it was all uh, we were interrupt at. him and start describing that uh, the French guy that because uh, there was one French in the uh, in Justin or uh, in Lance's shop, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Kind of hanging. Let's all describe him. Yeah, I think that was him. I think he was watching the place too. Yeah, I think those guys were involved somehow. You got to be careful with those guys. They're they're even more dangerous than, um, well, I would say they're more dangerous than uh, old Sweetwater himself. Oh, well, that's pretty dangerous. So, well, when's the next mission? What are we going to do next? We're almost done uh, peddling papers for the day, so we'll be ready to go. Well, as there's some, I, I was looking for someone to keep a, an eye out while I did some, uh, some sleep research as it's kind of hard to explain, but uh, I think I found a way to somewhat control my dreams. Are you pulling my uh, leg right now? Well, even if I am, you guys are still going to get paid as long as you're up to the task. Right. I won't ask any more questions then. Or cigarettes is hopefully. Uh, what do I have left in the, in the back there? I think you only gave him I, I one kept... carton, right? Okay. Yeah, I'll 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 pay you guys uh two cartons for uh you know, for a few days. You got of it. just uh watching out. Of course, you know, same thing. We do have to be home, you know, before the street lights come on. Mom says kids like us just disappear off the streets sometimes, so Yeah, that shouldn't be any problem as my, uh, I want to, I was hoping to explore the possibility of, of trying to do this during the day and seeing if there's any difference. Um, okay, just 
give us an address, and like I said, it'll be about an hour before we're done. I'll grab my brothers, and we'll ride wherever. So I'll give him uh, one of the the stash houses uh, addresses. Okay. All right. He says, well, okay, we'll be there just after noon, just after lunch, if that works for you. Yeah. Is uh, the other two are doing all right, too? Yeah. Yeah, they're doing good. They just, okay. you know, work different corners with the paper. But, hey, you know, I got to get back to it. They drive around sometimes and make sure we're doing our job. If they don't, they do- if we catch us not doing it, they dock our pay. As I'll uh, flip them, like, five cents and uh, tell them that I appreciate the paper. Thanks, Jimmy. We'll see you later. I'll wave and head back to the car to go and see if Monroe's back at his... Uh, back at his shop. Uh, okay. So yeah, Mr. Monroe, uh, you do find in this healing process that you become exhausted pretty quickly. The uh, manner in which you find you're often holding yourself as you move around, you know, strains muscles that you don't ordinarily use. And uh, yeah, so you're flagging somewhat. What's what's next for you? Well, I was a little bit concerned that Johan didn't show up to breakfast, so after checking in on Lamar, I'd probably head back to my shop and see if he had sent a telegram, and if not, then uh, send out a telegram to uh, his uh, hotel room, or wherever he's staying in town. Okay. So yeah, you um, head back to your shop, and you're in the midst of checking your telegrams, which, of course, you have you have, like, your Stuff that has to do with your business, which, you know, those come in every now and then, uh, confirmations and orders, things like that. And uh, yeah. you have one from Finn McCraken that says he wasn't able to track down Johan last night, but he'll get back to it today. And that came in just after you left, you realize. Uh, you also okay. have a, a tap at the door and Anita, is that her name? Yeah. I think so. Is that Anita or Annette? I can't remember. What, um... He says, hey, uh, boss, there's a delivery down here you need. For. A delivery? Okay. So yeah, when you go down, you see that there is two men with a with a truck, and they, there's a big pine box in the back, and they're just sort of standing around, you know, looking bored in those moments when they're not actively working, as workers do, but they kind of stand up straighter when you and Anita approach, and they say, okay. we, just, we just need your signature. All right. What? Which uh, delivery is this? Um... I don't know. They just said it was going to this address, and you're Mr. Monroe, correct? Yes. Uh, who who sent it? Uh, I have that information. It just says museum goods for Mr. Monroe. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I'll have to take a look at it myself. Well, where do you want don't us to you put remember? it? Don't you remember? And I'll kind of glance at Anita and, and say, do you remember having a shipment here? As I sign. I didn't think anything was coming in today. Hmm. Well... Perhaps some of the uh, flyers that I sent out have uh, convinced some people to send some items on their own. I'm a little bit eager to find out what what uh, has serendipitously fallen into our laps. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. So where are we setting it down? Uh, gentlemen, uh, yes, uh, I have a storeroom back here that that I uh, use to categorize and, and lay out all of my items that would be perfect for, for this. Okay. So yeah, they start muscling it, you know, uh, towards your storeroom. And Mr. Whitmire, you can come in at any time you like. Uh, but they get it settled, and it's about, you know, eight feet long, 
a pretty bulky box, but apparently not terribly heavy. So. And as they're uh, as they finish up, I'll I'll uh, you know usher them out of the the back room and say, and feel free, gentlemen, to take a look around my museum, free of charge, of course. Thank you for your help. So as he's doing that is when I'll show up uh, coming in the opposite direction. Okay. So that when he turns around, I'm already standing next to the box. <laughs> <laughs> and when I notice that he notices me, I'll say, oh, your uh, big pine box came in, huh? Got it from Did that big pine box store? I look you? around at all the other boxes meaningfully. I'll, I'll ask him, did you happen to send this? Uh, no, but, I mean, it kind of fits, and I'll kind of gesture to the other large pine boxes that other items had been delivered in. Well, You yes. want some help uh, opening it up, though? I'm kind of curious to see what you got. Actually, with my ribs in the state they're in, I would be most grateful for any assistance in, in cracking this box open. All right, I'll pull out that thirty-eight and start blasting. <laughs> no, I'll say, whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I have go a pry find bar. a crowbar. <laughs> I have a pry bar just for the, these cases. You don't need to resort to those extreme measures. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go find a, the uh, crowbar, the pry bar, and uh, start uh, opening the the uh, ends, going around and loosening the corners. Okay. Yeah, when you do so, and you pry get some of it pried off. There's a, a hiss of, of of the intake of air, but other than that, you know, nothing nothing else happens. A little little musty smelling after you get it off, and you see inside is actually the uh, it's like looks like it's made of brass. So now that you see it there, you're wondering how just the two men carried it because it seems like it would be pretty heavy. But it looks like an honest to ghost sort of Egyptian, you know, where they enshrined the mummies and. Hmm. Uh, like you can give an appraise roll or an archaeology roll, archaeology roll. There we go. <laughs> Either of you. All right. Yeah, I don't think that was going to happen. Well, I can either. Can I make both? It's a what's the word? They're One combined the roll, so you pick your best uh, odds. Uh, okay, so archaeology. That is just so no. Well, you just you think that it almost certainly must be a. Um, not an authentic uh, mummy, basically, and, <coughs> and thus not actually like a a bronze or brass or or whatever container. It just must be you know some recreation. But on top of the container of the what appears to be like an an ancient pharaoh or something like that is a note that just says when you unfold it, um, in regards to your museum and your future success but there's no signature to it. All right. So uh, I imagine that uh, I was the one that had grabbed that note, so I'll kind of shrug and hand it over to him. So that's uh, that's uh, one hell of a donation. Yes. The, was there been anybody that's said they were going to be sending something like this? No, but it is good to see that my reputation for legitimacy is uh, beginning to spread, and these kinds of donations are always a welcome addition. Uh, could you help me take it out of the box, and perhaps we can lay it out on a table and see what, what all it entails? Yeah, I can give you a hand with that. So, and if he had, like, a, any type of hand truck or anything like that, 
I don't know if those are around at this point, but... Yeah, I'm sure that they are. And I'm sure that you would have one for, you know, moving heavier pieces. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll go get it and and start to position it. But uh, also uh, tell them uh, that yeah, the, the reason why I'd stop by is, you know, you, you know a few different things. And I was wondering, what could you tell me about uh, Colts that... Uh, I don't even know what the right word for it is, but that we're big into dreaming. So is this an occult role, Travis, or? Um, for cults that were big into dreaming? Yeah. yeah, that had something to do with dreaming. Yeah, there's a few different ones. You could do occult or anthropology. Yeah, we'll stick with those. So go go ahead with occult if you'd like. Okay. Yeah, so, so the problem with, in regards to dreams, is that so many cults or so many cultures or societies were, you know, spoke about dreams that it's tough to narrow down, you know, something more specific because, uh, you know, dream experiences is a big part of the shamanic experience. It plays into different cultures around the world. So, you know, like what specifically were you wanting to know about them, Whitmire? Well, uh, which ones that come to mind? And then I'll start to describe the forest as well that I that uh, I'd encountered the last couple times, and this village. Um, and I, I apologize. I I had the name of that. Uh, Ulthar a, was the name of the the town that was Ult- in the note. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll mention that as well, and ask him if if uh, he's ever come across a. A cult or a, a gathering, or any any reference to that. Um, All right. So the terms he mentioned specifically would fall under uh, Cthulhu mythos or the dream lore skill. So unless you want to try that again, you can only speak broadly to what cultures say about dreams. Which there might be something useful. For example, you know that certain Native American tribes believed that uh, death was actually waking up from a dream that you were currently in. Um, certain philosophies are, they think of the world, you know, as a material world that has given rise to consciousness, but perhaps there's the, you know, photo negative inverse of that, where perhaps there is a material world that was birthed from consciousness rather than, you know, how it's traditionally thought of on earth where, you know, evolution and whatnot gave, gave rise to, uh, sentience. Maybe there's like a shot at the Cthulhu mythos. Nope. Um, so yeah, I'll, that was I'll, pretty close, man. It was pretty close, but I'll uh, pontificate at length on uh, the various cultures and what dreams meant to them and stuff that I I remember from my archaeology classes and and everything I know from the occult. Yeah, so that ranges, you know, from you know alternate lives or past lives that that's what dreams are that that experience there. Uh, the idea of collective unconscious is thinking it's very very young stage so i don't know if people are speaking about it broadly but that could be you know humans when they go to sleep and dream their minds are wired into you know some uber sentience out there and that's what you connect to when you're in the dream state so some of that kind of jives with your experience though mr Wittenmeyer, particularly this notion of a shared state uh of a locale made up of basically people's 
dreams, you know, like if you had a bunch of people all dreaming about the same thing, doesn't, and you spend a third of your life in this place, doesn't that make it at least as real as certain other things, one might argue? But unfortunately, just nothing too specific when it comes to Ulthar or the Enchanted Wood. Yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I figure we're having this conversation as we're, uh, as I'm arranging this, uh, um, yeah, it would be a sarcophagus for him. Yeah. Uh, you know that whatever it's made of, the, the metal must be pretty light. So it, it kind of has the appearance of bronze or brass, but certainly isn't that because it's not that heavy. You're able to manage with that, uh, hand cart to move it on its own and stand it upright or lean it against the wall or whatever. And you can see it's hinged. So it opens as these do where they store the body inside. Does a uh, mummy come lurching out? Only if you open it. Well, I thought that it was opening. <laughs> oh, you were going to open it? Yeah. No, no I thought it was opening. Not on uh, its own. No, not <laughs> okay. on its own. Okay. No, once we get it in a place where we can really examine it well, then I would try and open it. Yeah. Whitmire, you get the sense just from moving it around that it's probably empty. Like the when you like when your hand touches it, it has that sound of uh, a hollowness to it. Okay. On it in any way, but well, I will make mention to it and, and just say it's it's a lot lighter than it looks. It's, uh doesn't seem like they they sent you the body with it though. Well, I hope not. As I'm sure that you could use a, for, a few more dead things around here. Well, they're perfectly fine as long as they are antique artifacts. But if they were to send in a recent mummified body and along with this and I'm afraid the authorities would have my uh, license. Well, I thought that these had uh, dead guys in them normally, though. Well, I'm not sure if this is a, a legitimate one. It appears to be more of a replication, from what I can tell. I'll look around it for any other notes. Say maybe someone's trying to uh, to swindle you here. Well, it was free of charge, so I don't know how swindling me could have entered the, the picture. I'll just, uh, I'll stop and look up and just stare at him for a second <laughs> and then go back to doing that. So, uh, you know, one of those looks where it, you know, you, you know that she said something that, that was just, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing's free. <laughs> yeah. You're going to pay one way or another. So. All right. So give me, as you're sort of looking over the outside of it, give me. A hard spot hidden roll. Just him or both of us? You could throw one out there too. All sure. you need is me. Yep. Yeah, so you're kind of looking, you know, for signs of what you might determine to be more, you know, modern fabrications, those sorts of things, uh, like machining, that sort of stuff. But uh, you don't see any of that, but you do see some symbols kind of along one of the hinges and... Roll your intelligence for me. Okay. So you remember these symbols. You remember them on a safe sublevel Gilbert Theater. So I'll, I'll make mention of that. Um, as it'll like t- reach out and touch him and just say, I've, I've seen these before. Uh, once he points them out to me, uh, can I decipher them at all? Uh, no, they don't appear to be in a language that you can read, but you have both seen these sorts of things a number of times 
and you had succeeded on your Cthulhu Mythos role, Whitmire, when you first saw the safe, so you knew that these belonged to Aklo. Yeah, and that's uh, louder. I'll, I'll state that, uh, that that's what this is. is these are Aklo symbols or runes. Yeah, As, uh, I've, I've seen them. Um, they were on a safe in, in the, uh, the old theater. Um, it, it was the weirdest thing. I heard people on the other side of this door, and when I opened it, and it sounded like they were getting further away, so I thought it was a hallway. When I opened the door, it was a room, and all that was inside was a safe that was closed, but it had these symbols on it. But I know that there was someone in there before. Hmm. As I know, it makes me think that either this is another entrance or an exit, though. Well, if it is an entrance, perhaps one of us should try opening the door, as it were. I'll I'll be incising up to see if one of us could fit inside of it. Yeah, you think so? Well, and this isn't uh, this isn't exactly what I thought I'd be doing with with my day here. And I'll take a look at my pocket watch and uh, what what time is it right now? So it's about lunchtime. Okay. So I'll tell uh, Monroe as I as as interesting as this is and and i do want to continue exploring it i i'd actually come over to see if you wouldn't mind coming over to uh to one of my safe houses i've got some lookouts in case anything happens but i was hoping that you could help me with explore this the the dream that i told you about from the other day yes as and i have this uh this book that that talks about all different, all different, uh, you know, uh, cults or religions. And, uh, I was hoping that, uh, to find something more in there, but, uh, I get the feeling that I'm not, I'm not safe while I'm sleeping as I was hoping that you wouldn't, you would, uh, wouldn't mind coming over and, and not just watching over, but maybe help me do you know, something. There's something there. Well, I have been meaning to try out that uh, Dream Castle tobacco that you have all tried and uh, see if I have the same type of dream. I, I figure that uh, we might as well try it at the same time. Although having someone to watch over me as I do it would definitely ease my mind, especially after the hunter attack last night. Was all, uh, you, you told us about that at breakfast, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I was going to say, is I, I thought I remember hearing about it, but I couldn't remember if it was from you or not. As I, yeah, I'll, I'll wholeheartedly agree and say that this, and I'll point to the uh, that sarcophagus to say this is, is probably better left to, you know, later today or tomorrow. But uh, I think I've still got a, a can of that uh, or the can of uh, Dream Castle out in the trunk. So before we go, would, if this does happen to be a gate, would you mind, uh, just as a matter of precaution, would you mind helping me perhaps put some chains around it to ensure that it doesn't open while I'm I'm gone? Yeah, that's no problem. As, uh, what do you have in here for chains? Do you have chains in here? I may not have... Or, I know you have rope, at least, right? Yeah, I'm sure I'll have rope and probably some straps or, or of some sort to... that 
are used to tie things down or hang things up. And Do you want to hoist it as far up as we can get it and put some uh, dangerous objects underneath so if somebody <laughs> actually tries to step through and does manage to get the uh, face open that uh, they plummet to a horrible accident and or their death? Just on the off chance that one of us happens to be the one that steps through it, I, I'd rather not. Uh, always taking the fun out of things, and I'll start tugging on ropes to start to tie it up. Um, I do like the idea of hoisting it, at least, as you can never be too careful. Uh, whatever pops through that, whether it's you, me, or something else, as that may give you the critical moments needed to survive. If they're falling even, you know, three to five feet. Well, we could uh, perhaps prop it up on a table, but I don't know if taking the time to rig something to hang it from the ceiling is really worthwhile. I thought you already had stuff like that. You could get it Uh, rigged up in a way that it would make it difficult if somebody were to somehow travel out of one end. You know, it would be difficult for them to get out of it one way or the other. We don't have to labor the point too much we can just assume you come up with some mechanism but yeah i would assume you do have the ability to set up you know pulley systems so that you can hoist things because occasionally you get very big pieces uh you know that you need that you want suspended in some way so it is a possibility and we'll assume that it's done in some fashion and we can move on to the next thing sounds good so yeah i'll uh once it's done to satisfaction, just hop in the car and head over to the address that I gave to the knights. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, you guys arrive there, which this particular bolt hole is in more of a, an industrial part of South Boston, and it's happens to be in a little outbuilding on a particularly unused factory of some kind that's that's currently waiting to be leased. And you know a few guys who who actually own the property that have let you use it from time to time. So that's where you're at. That's where you arrive is at this outbuilding, which was also the address you gave to the great knights. And when you pull up in your car, you see them sort of languishing around the gate. You know, one's throwing stones into a, a rusty coffee tin on the pavement there. All right. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pull up and you know, go and... Open the gate okay. and tell them they can either hop in or, or follow. But we're going up to this this uh, old factory up here. All right, so they get in and uh, get in the car with you. And you drive up to that outbuilding, which is empty yeah. except for a few amenities that you uh, like to keep in these places if you have to lay low for an uh, extended amount of time. So you get some water yeah. stored there and something that keeps well to eat. Uh, I'm going to explain that as well as we're pulling up. As just kind of give them the rundown is that nobody should be out here at all. So the and if really if you guys see anybody, is that just know that uh, nobody comes here. So if you see anybody, that's you know come in and, and get me or or Lance. All right, you got it. We'll be out here watching. All right, and then uh, like when we pull up to the building, I'll open the trunk and uh, give them the two cartons, then grab that uh, dream castle as well. Yeah, uh, they take the cartons, and you see them setting up in various places to keep an eye on things. And Bill is 
smoking his cigarettes like a guy who has too many cigarettes. So you, you can see him light two up at once and he's... is like uh alternating right (laughs) one to the other yeah yeah Yeah, so they're they're set up you know um the other one ethan he's kind of more bookish uh, and timid you know he has his little journal that he starts crawling in the the only one who doesn't really seem to participate in watching is simon who you know was uh took a head injury so he's kind of they put him somewhere out of sight and and draw gets a little piece of chalk out and starts drawing like a hopscotch thing. And he finally starts doing that. But so yeah, you guys have a quiet place in which to experiment here. So uh, Whitmire, if you want to ensure success, you know from your attempt the night before that it wasn't, you weren't certain that you would get into this dreamland without the use of the tobacco. Like the tobacco seemed to put you there against your will. I mean, it just happened. You guys put that together. But on the second night, you didn't try it, and mechanically, we had a skill roll. So if you rely on your skill to get you back into this place, there's a possibility you will not hear. So perhaps the tobacco would be the most assured method to get there. So Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest, too, is uh, rather than, like, as much as I want to, and I probably will just roll it for fun. So on the I way... made it. <laughs> on the way over from... <laughs> From my museum to here, uh, I I wanted to be flipping through the the part on lucid dreaming from the book I picked up from Lamar. Okay. And once we get to his place, I'll I'll see if I can put a, a few of those things into practice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I also uh, I'll bring in the that book that I had on all the different cults or which one was that? Uh, you had the book Nameless Cults. Yeah, that one. Is I'll bring that in too, because figure we'll we'll probably spend a little bit of time, kind of trying to figure out a little bit of information. So in the, that time, I can might be able to to get glean something from this book before we start to try and experiment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can definitely do that. So the way these mythos tomes work in that regard is they have a a particular rating themselves that we'll roll against to determine if you can glean something useful as you're leafing through it. Why don't you give me a D100 roll? No way. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Is there a push option on that? (laughs) No, that's good in this one. You rolled a critical success, in fact. Oh, nice. (laughs) Okay, so let's... um, You get to narrow this even more because of the critical. Uh, What type of specific thing do you think you would want to know like maybe like uh because you had tried to manifest light the last time you were in yeah, the dreamlands exactly is uh, i i would like to know i guess if there's a way to control the dream or to uh assert your will over something in the dream or others that are in the dream okay all right so as you guys are setting up and uh you know preparing your yourself for rest, you read a story again from this author, Von Juntz, about he had met with a, a group of druids they claimed to be, but they had they brewed a special potion that when you drank it, it would take you to a land far from Earth. And some of what he describes in this initial journey reminds you of your own dream, although curiously he does not appear before Nosht or Kamantha. Instead, he talks about a 
great desert and a city that he comes to called Kupar Nambo that is on the edge of this great sand sea as he describes it later on. But he mentions interacting with a scholar there who, who tells him of the place he's at and he goes into subsequent trips and nights following that. And what he learns is that at this place, he tried to manifest a sword one time to fend off, you know, some some animal out in the wild. And it did appear for a short amount of time, but faded quickly. So what he had learned between speaking with this scholar and experimentation is that the way he made more long-lasting items was in his normal dreams, he would focus kind of on creating whatever the item he desired was. So say sticking with a sword, he would spend a few nights just in his normal dreams, you know, focusing on a sword until he would go into a dream and have a sword. So whatever the dream was, the sword would be appeared, appear there, it would be fixed in his mind. And then when he went on a subsequent journey to Kupar Nambo, he appeared there with a sword. The scholar had said that this city was a shared manifestation, so it was difficult for one person to impose their will on many different people, and thus the construction had to be done in one's own dream. Does that make any sense to you, Whitmire? Do you have any questions? No, it, it sounds like... Uh... It sounds like a, you use your own dreams for practice and then you fix the image of what you're you're trying to will into the uh this dream world uh in your head before you right. uh actually get there. And he said he said once the object this sword had appeared like almost naturally in his normal dreams, then it appeared there when he went to next visit Kupar Lombo. Okay. But that's um that's the that's what you discover. Okay. No, it's it's uh, good information and definitely gives me a few different possibilities and some thoughts to to test out or some theories to test out as well. All right. So what's our next move, gentlemen? Do you um, want to uh try a pipe smoke. of the dream dream castle? Okay. So you smoke up some, some dream castle, and uh, we'll go ahead and have you do it to Whitmire, even though you succeeded on that. You can still mark it as a check. Okay, so you're passing around the pipe of the dream castle tobacco, or you each have your own, and we will begin with Monroe. So okay. your dreaming begins normally, except they are remarkably vivid, and they are of the variety of dreams that you normally dream about. I don't know. What is the ever-increasing power of worshipping you? What does Monroe usually dream about? Um, I don't think I have images of people worshipping me, but probably yeah. you know, wandering amongst ancient runes and yeah, and things like that. Yeah, and then in one case, you know, there's um, uh, sort of a recreation of being pursued by the dark hunter that doesn't go so well. But in all cases, every one of these dream scenes, you see a huge stairway leading enticingly downwards and it you know takes a few dreams before you realize that it's common in all of them and we'll say you're outside you know you're standing at the base of a great pyramid and just there on the side of one sand dune is this um, stone stairwell sort of baroque in construction a little so out of place with egyptian architecture okay um 
and do I begin to like have a little bit more of a lucid understanding in my dream and yeah yeah I can't remember if you guys had discussed the particular details of this but I suppose for the sake of expediency we can say that when you guys have or when the other two talked about the dream when Monroe talked about it when Meyer talked about it they mentioned this stone stairwell okay. that let down and I, I soon remember I was in a shared dream with Johan when he saw it and he had kind of described it as well right yeah at that point yeah, there so, you go. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it as uh, like that. That recognition will will dawn, and I'll I'll uh, take the stairway. Yeah, so you descend down these stone steps beneath the sands of Egypt, and you go down seventy steps. You're not sure why you kept count, but you come out into this wide cavern, in the middle of which is a flame that just sort of burns suspended there, and there are two aged individuals wearing robes and Egyptian-style crowns, and there's a passage beyond them that also beckons you forward, but this flame and these two men stand in your way, and they look at you expectantly and say, enter and be welcome, I am Nosh. And the other one says, I am Common Tha. We congratulate you, Mr. Monroe, on finding the way. And I'll uh, bow in in you know the grandest fashion that I can manage and <laughs> say, gentlemen, it is my pleasure to have finally met you and I appreciate your welcome. Yes, be welcome. But before you may pass the gates of deeper slumber and they approach you just in the manner you had heard described by your companions and they stare deeply into your eyes and uh, a penetrating gaze, something that sees through all your deceptions and you know your false airs that you put on occasionally, as we all do. And finally, Nasht says, you are worthy. And the two priests retreat and bow. And you see, suddenly there's an ornate Malachite table with some items on top of it that you didn't notice before. And at at this time, Whitmire, you manifest in this cavern with the flame and Nasht and Common Thaw, uh, just as they retreat back from... Mr. Monroe, maybe a little irritated because I've been trying to get out of this forest for quite a while, but perhaps the knowledge of Monroe going through this process was playing in your subconscious, and perhaps that's why you appeared here and not elsewhere. It's difficult well, to say. I believe that this is also where I needed to start from oh, in right. order to follow the directions of that too. That note, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Nasht says these are for you and your journeys to come. He says that to Monroe. See the items laid out on the table. Uh, you're naked, you realize. So Whitmire, that's see that as well. Uh, but there is a, a set of clothes in whichever fashion you would imagine them to be, Mr. Monroe. Okay. Is it something that I would have brought from my waking world or something that would have manifested while I was here? Well, it's, a, uh, it's probably something like in-game that would come from you know, the subconscious of the dreamer. But in this particular case, it's uh, a player-directed set of clothes, so you get to choose what they are for Monroe. Okay. I guess in this case, since, like, I'm talking to, to, you know, ancient Egyptians, they would come across as, like, ritualistic robes of some sort. Okay. Yeah, and they fit as though they are tailored uh, when you don them. And you can see that Mr. Whitmire, he's appeared to you as well is dressed in a very nice suit. Although there is something surreal and otherworldly about it, it's not quite in the fashion of the day. 
Also on the table are three loaves of bread, a jug of water, and a length of shiny, somewhat crystalline wool. Hmm. All right. I'll kind of place him in whatever pouches or, you know, bag tied to my my uh, sash or whatever. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, pipe up and say, no, you've got to eat some and drink. <laughs> and that the wool is manna. I'll, I'll kind of question him a little bit. What, what do you mean by that? Um, I, I don't know quite what that is, but when I ate it, I, it was the best thing I've ever had. I felt fully refreshed. I definitely recommend that you, you try some now, though. All right. I will try a little bit as to his direction. And I'll pull my own out at the same time and uh, eat some, too. Yeah, so as I described to Whitmire, it, it, you realize after eating the manna that when you drink normal food, or, or sorry, drink normal drinks or eat normal food, that you are still not fully satiated. But this, whatever it is, this manna, leaves you completely content in a way you've not experienced. Uh, hmm. Leaves you with a peaceful feeling and a particular focus on the here and now rather than the concerns of, of the future or the sins of the past you are at one with this moment in time uh, let's pause here for a minute rewind just a minute and uh, give Whitmire's entry into the dream so just like Monroe you started out with your normal dreaming like the normal dreams Whitmire would have and you might after reading that passage in the nameless cults want to try to create something in this dream before you descend down the stone steps is that something you wanted to do? Yes. So I, and, and I'm not sure uh, if it will work or not. But when I when I get into my normal dreams, um, I want to start just uh, randomly affecting things, right? Like uh, you know, creating like creating light, um, altering the the shape or overall uh, construction of yeah, any any buildings or trees or anything that's around me, as uh, try and build up whatever whatever type of practice or mental exercises that I would hopefully need in order to uh, alter something in the dream world. Okay, so let's construct a dream scenario for you here. You are sitting in Drew's basement at a card table, and you're in the midst of uh, a hand of. Texas Hold'em style poker. So you're looking at the cards in the river, they're all laid out, and you're looking at the ones in your hand. Uh, also, there are glasses with various drinks, and it's you don't make out the details outside of the table. You're just sort of vaguely aware of, of Drew's basement, but they're more shadowy shapes and, and uh, inaudible noises. You know there's a crowd around you, but you can't make out uh, faces or... Or things like that, or what's playing on the radio initially. So, uh, in that dream state, what do you want to pick to try to alter? So, I'm going to start with uh, something that I feel should be easy for me, as uh, I'm going to change the cards that are in the river to suit whatever whatever is in my hand. Okay, so go ahead and uh, find that dreaming skill and. Give that a roll. Yeah, so you, uh, you know, to your delight, 
uh, the cards change. What hand are you trying to make? Um, I'll I'll try for like a a, a straight flush. Okay. Yeah. You um, those things seem to materialize without remark from the opponent you're playing against, and uh, they hold fast once you've fixed it in your mind. So yeah, that it, it works. Seem to have worked in that case. It does actually drain a magic point from you though. So go to your magic and deduct one from it. So do I see okay. him doing this? No, we're we're I meant to do it before you were both in the dream. So oh, we just rewinded okay. a little bit for him. Yeah, and if if that works, uh I want to also try and and uh make the the light that is already uh, over the table brighter. Okay. Uh, so I figure that starting off that will be easier than trying to create light out of nothing. Yeah, same process. Uh, it still requires a successful dreaming roll. Yeah, not that time. Uh, you, yeah, you can't quite do it. It flickers a little bit, so you know you had some impact on it. That or it was just coincidence. But in dreams, are there really any such thing as coincidences? But it does deduct another magic point from you, despite the failure. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll spend uh, some time. I don't know if you want me to keep keep rolling as uh, just trying to change small things. Like, um, I I will try and make a uh, a um, I'll do that like a shotgun up here, okay? Like uh, it's strapped over my back or something, right? Gotcha. Or I guess uh, hanging off a strap, maybe like a sawed off or something. something. Yeah, so as far as your experimenting goes, uh, we'll say, you know, it would work roughly a quarter of the time by the odds that you have at it. So you you realize that, you know, maybe there's still some further practice that needs to be done. But when you go to make the shotgun, it materializes in your your hand and it's firm there. You don't have to think about it. You know, you kind of go on to focus at other things. However, the cost it it has on you is quite a bit more pronounced than altering the environment. that one costs you 12 magic points. Jeez. How many magic points do you have left? Three. So deduct two more just for the other minor alterations that we lost over, and that's where we'll put you. But So you can kind of feel your energy draining. It, it doesn't really impact the, the word I'm looking for, the vividness of the dream or anything like that. It's just more like you're getting tired, like mentally exhausted after a while. Okay. But yes, you you have that shotgun. So now we can go back to the Cavern of Flame. So you did see Mr. Monroe, that Win Whitmire appeared. He had a shotgun, you know, hanging off of one shoulder. Okay. Do you have a shotgun in your character sheet, John? Uh, that's what I'm checking right now. Um, no, I had the... Uh, well, it says rifle... No, skill rifle shotgun. Okay, it's... Uh, I think it's that rifle from Peru... Yeah, 30 out 6. Well, we'll just use your skill because the damage doesn't even work in the combat thing for shotguns anyways. And if it comes up, I'll just have you roll uh, from the dice tray rather than your sheet. Okay. All right. So, yeah. you. So, go ahead. question is, uh, so I, I pop in, uh, he grabs his clothes and his other stuff. He starts to put it away and I told him to eat that mana and then I ate some of mine as is there anything different that happens? It does. Than the first time? Yeah, it does cause the uh, the fog 
like the brain fog you have from it. It's like you spent some amount of time in a, a very thought-intensive endeavor, and when you come out the end of that, you're just a little loopy, a little muddy in your thoughts, or they run in directions that you don't necessarily control. But after you eat that, that does abate somewhat, and you gain back 1d4 magic points. And I think you're full by now, right, uh, Mr. Monroe? Um, yeah, I'd expect so. Uh, I got a pretty decent night's sleep after after the attack, thanks to Mr. An- or Dr. Andrews. All right. So yeah, you think you probably have of a portion similar to what you just ate. You may you might have you know ten more times you could do that before the mana has gone. Okay. That would be for Mr. You would have eleven or so times. Mr. Monroe uh, Whitmire has 10. So the amount of mana, does that keep refreshing every time I, can, I come in? Like, is it any, is the portion any different than it was the first time? Like the size of, uh, of it, that It's uh, reduced mana. from the times you've ate it. Uh, but unlike actual food, like when you check your bread, you see the bit that you ate and then you had taken off to feed to the strange little creature in the, the woods. It is gone, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like your this at least this food is uh, expiring in any way. It's just as fresh. With that slightly warm, has been out of the oven for a few hours, uh, filled to or not hours, but like thirty minutes out of the oven. Okay, as I, I want to make mention of that. So I mean, I, I'm gonna actually be uh, fairly excited here when I when I go and catch up with uh, Mr. Monroe. And I'll be uh, holding that shotgun, just you know, uh, kind of palms up, holding it, looking at it, and uh, I'll look at him and just uh, like gesture, offer for him to hold it. There's a big grin on my face, and uh, I'll exclaim, "I I made this." Where did you find the resources to make a shotgun? No, I I made it in my mind, and now it's here. Hmm. Give me an idea roll, Mr. Monroe, but go ahead and carry on. An idea roll? Yeah, that's intelligence. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, the the actual paper character sheet says idea next to it. It's supposed to clue you. I forget that the uh, roll 21 doesn't. Uh, You're wondering if such a phenomenon is possible to recreate in the dream where you are outside the burial mound. Because you tried to manifest something there. Uh, but it didn't seem yeah. to work out. Yeah, and it failed that time. Yeah, I'll I'll explain some of that process to him. Like, I I was having a normal dream before we came here, and I'll you know I'll tell him about the the poker game and uh, that I was able to to change the cards, and uh, I I couldn't I couldn't affect the lighting like almost, but then. I I just made this exist, as I don't know if that quite makes sense. But as I, I didn't have a shotgun when before I thought about having a shotgun. Hmm. I've I've and now of, here I've got a shotgun. I've heard of being able to do this during lucid dreaming, although my attempts at it have have always failed. Um, perhaps it was because I was not trying it. Before I entered the lucid state, I'll have to think about that for the next time. Um, and I, I suppose I could, Travis, could I try to uh, manifest something simple? Yes. Uh, what did you have in mind? 
Um, how about like I had before a a, a length of rope? Okay. Uh, yes, you can definitely try to do that. I have added the dreaming skill, yours character sheet as well, and a dream lore skill. So okay, I will so need a successful dreaming skill. Yeah, I'm not even. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm not able to <laughs> to manifest it. Uh, yeah. So when after he like concentrates in there all and nothing happens, I'll like clap him on the shoulder and tell him, "Don't worry, I I tried to make light." Uh, the last time, and I and it, nothing even seemed to happen. As it, it's got to have something to do with before you get here, as I don't know if changing things in that before state will let you change things easier here. But it seems like anything that you manifested in that before state carries over to here, Mister Monroe. A process. Mm has occurred that you're more familiar with than Whitmire, and that is the draining of a magic point. Um, you've experienced it by using Father's and Poe's suggestion a number of times. Uh, so it's curious. You're, you're, like, you have more of a, a sense of a, a draining of your soul or your spirit temporarily. A very, or the exact same as when you cast that spell in the material world. I'll, I'll mention that to him, that I feel slightly drained at my attempt and that it uh is remnant of being drained by by father i'll uh i'll stiffen a little bit when he mentions father and uh i'll kind of uh gruffly just say we're you know we're all tired yeah everybody's tired every day it doesn't have anything to do with him seeing he's upset I'll, i'll say no 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 i didn't i didn't mean that uh that this is something brought about by father i'm i'm just i'm it it feels like i have been like my spirit my soul has been drained in a way that is similar to when when uh i was drained by by him and his ability as uh so something that i i had left out of my recap uh of that last stream was was that uh barrier area and I'll tell him that he's, you know, he's here. He's still locked away here, but he is here. He is. Because I, I found uh, this place isn't isn't easy to navigate. Um, actually, the reason that I wanted to start back here is because I found a note on a tree um, that gave some direction to a town where we might be able to get some more information, but the area that I woke up in last time was nowhere near this as far as I can tell. Well, if you have directions to a place, then by all means, let's let's uh, speak as we, as we walk. We are in a dream, and there's no telling how long it'll be until we're awoken. As, uh, I'll, I'll nod and just uh, point out towards the gate, say we, we've got to go this way. Very well, as you are the one with experience here, lead the way. All right, so yeah, I'll, I'll uh, take the lead there and start uh, going over, uh, describing my my experience a little bit in more detail. Uh, uh, you know, for the between the first and the second, like the first, I was able to follow a a, a cleared area. Not even it's not. I, I don't think it was like a road or anything, but. 
just a cleared area where I a lot easier to move through. I eventually came to the end of this forest and saw a small village um, the second time after I found father's, uh, or what I'm assuming to be father's uh, barrier. Um, I I kind of got uh, a little panicked, um, and I don't know exactly which direction I went, but when I came out of the woods, I was in a different location overlooking the same village. Is this isn't? I don't think that's the village that we want, though, as it didn't match up with uh, with what uh, I feel the letter was trying to the town that it was trying to convey. Well, either way, I suppose we'll find out once we reach this town, as long as the directions that you received are accurate. In whatever state, though, this is a rather magnificent place. It is, but just be careful. There's these little things around. Uh, maybe the animals around here, but they're they're either they're they're quite hostile. Um, in it seems that last time I was here. As I actually distracted him with some of the bread um, to make my escape, but I could easily these see these things becoming uh, an issue, and I'll pat the shotgun and say, "But th- that's why I've got this now." Well, in my experience, some of the creatures that you experience in dreams may turn hostile quite easily, and even a, a weapon such as the one Doctor Nickel or Detective Nichols used on the primates came to no avail because of their numerous uh, hordes. I'll, well, I'll, I'll say all that with absolutely no context as to what I'm, I'm speaking about. <laughs> yeah, so this conversation's going on as you, as you go through that passageway out of the, the cavern where <coughs> the sages were and the suspended flame, and you go down a long set of spiraling steps that just wind ever downward. Uh, in this case, you don't necessarily count them, but they are much longer than the initial steps you came down to get here. Uh, Monroe, you can give a natural history or an education role. You can choose one. It does. I guess it doesn't have to be the highest one. If you're going for a skill check, you could try natural history. I already got one from you in a previous dream, Whitmire. Natural history. Or botany. And natural but, world. Yeah, that's the one. Sorry about that. I don't know why I, I typoed that. But yeah, natural world. Okay. Or an education role, you said? Right. Um, we'll try for a skill, skill upgrade. Nope. I'm just not, mm-hmm. not on top of it this, this session. Well, you're just, as you're adding, you're looking at the, what you're walking through and you're wondering what the walls are made of, but beyond, uh, some type of wood, you just can't identify it. Uh, but in any case, you come to the bottom of these spiraling steps and there's an elaborate arch that's been cut into the wood with a closed gate. That you can easily open. In fact, Whitmire probably does so since he's leading the way. But beyond the gate is a forest made of colossal twisted uh, trees, and you don't see any daylight penetrating the interwoven branches above. The light that is in this forest seems to be coming from bunches of glowing fungus, not unlike the lichen uh, within the serpent folk lair. Okay. Um, so do these giant mushrooms and trees and stuff remind me of that time when uh, Detective Nichols and I were chased by the hominids and I survived the fall and then entered into a place where there were 
giant mushrooms that more of those things came from? Uh, in a Is way. It... I mean, this appears okay. to be naturally. Like, the sense you got from that area in that part of the dream is that it, that appeared to be cultivated because they were in a little bit more ordered rows and you'd okay. got this sense of mist being dispersed from somewhere above at intervals. But was it the same kind of um, yeah, very foliage? Similar. And, okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll be kind of uh, surprised at the similarities and, and comment on how this is similar to the dream from the toad statue. I'll... Uh... I'll question that because I, I don't believe I was there when they explained when he explained what was going on with those because it was after the uh, the first dinner that he had with Detective Nichols and I believe I was on the lam then. Yeah, so I'll I'll uh, explain what we know of the the statues and go over my explorations down into it, which probably um, also explains what i was talking about with the detective nichols and creatures attacking us yeah in the course of you know explaining it all the the stark contrast that, that comes out would be the difference between walking into an area where you know say there are a few apple trees as opposed to an apple orchard that somebody's tending to so here yeah. you have glowing fungi of many different types Whereas when you went to that place with the giant stalks, it was the same type over and over again in, in these sort of ordered rows. So you could definitely assure yourself that you're not in the same place, but perhaps it's connected some here in some fashion. Yeah. Some sort of common ancestry or something along those lines. But uh, your, your story or your reminiscing is broken when you hear a fluttering, almost like a flute-like noise, uh, sort of close up in the trees. Whitmire, you know that these noises belong to those strange rodents. And then somewhere distant, you hear uh, a faint uh, gibbering sound, but that goes quiet. Uh, had I heard that before? Uh, you, yeah, you, re you remember hearing it. You don't know to what creature or thing okay. it belongs to. never revealed itself, unless it's just an alternate noise that these rodents make. Okay. So yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll, I'll tell them that uh, to be, you know, be on your guard, keep an eye out. As uh, the last time I encountered one of these things, uh, it definitely could seem like it could get overwhelming pretty quick. Does the sound remind me of those hominids that I ran into? No, no, not really. Okay. It's uh, it's a little bit more furtive, um, and the way you can kind of tell that a sound comes from a big creature or a little creature, or, you know, they have different vocal qualities to them. This yeah. doesn't. Um, this doesn't evoke even though the hominids were smaller than you uh they were bigger than these sounds whatever images pop up in your mind seem okay. like much smaller creatures but you can see again that there's this pathway between the twisted trees not even quite a game trail but uh, just a way that you can move forward without climbing over anything would i be able to do like a, a navigate to try and find any other signs that we are heading, I believe we we needed to head west. Yeah, isn't that what that note had said? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go ahead and throw your navigate out. Um, I'll use luck on that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you tended to determine that this path is the one that you went on the very first time you came into the dream, 
and you know that it leads in a west direction and it should exit the forest near uh, those cottages and farms you saw in both cases. But this would this would bring you out of the forest as you did the first time. Okay. So I guess feeling a little bit more confident uh, knowing that I've I've been in this area before. Um, I, I'm going to try and and uh, set a not like a, a you know grueling pace, but a definitely a quicker pace to try and get through this area. And uh, mainly talking to myself as uh, that that maybe the maybe that that little village is where we're supposed to go, or maybe there's another forest. Or uh, just kind of go off like that uh, for just a bit. Yeah, Mr. Monroe, you find that uh, what ailed your physical body does not seem to come here, except in sort of a phantom twinge when you go to check yourself. You realize you're walking along without difficulty, and you're like, oh, I, my ribs. And you'll have like this phantom twinge, but then it's gone, and, and you uh, feel healthy. But I'm going to be very happy about that. <laughs> After spending, you know, the entire day in pain. But your path takes you around one of these twisted oaks. And when you come around the tree, you see sitting on one of the roots that is poking up out of the ground is one of these little rodent-like creatures. They're small and brown. Uh, they have these small tentacles that dangle from their snouts. And they kind of wriggle out as though they're testing the air. And it sees you guys as you see it. And it sort of lifts one claw that isn't like a, a paw that you would be seeing on a rat, but more like uh, a hand, as it has defined fingers, and it's sort of scratching at the air and looking at you, Mr. Whitmire. As I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll reach into my pocket and grab some bread, as I'll break off a piece for myself and a, a couple smaller pieces and toss it off into the forest. Um, actually, before we do that, I, I missed this the first time. There is a minor sanity hit to see these things, so we'll get a sanity roll from both of you. Does, do we do that every time that we see them? I missed having you do it the very first time, but no, you don't do it's it all every right. time. You we, see we've seen some stuff before. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no fat larva. Uh, yeah, so... Or dark hunter. The th yeah. <laughs> the thing that would be unsettling is not... it's tentacle appendages it's more the human like it's the hands right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know you guys are kind of inoculated to this because you're both thinking even though this seems someplace different than your dreams it still has dreamy qualities so you know rodents with hands is not outside the realm of possibility at least here so it doesn't disturb you too much but it darts down and grabs this morsel and picks it up and uh these tentacles sort of move out of the way of the eating process and you can see it has very you know needle-like teeth and it it uh bites at it nibbles at it and then it runs off around the tree and it's disappeared out of sight for a moment but it turns back around and uh looks at you with very intelligent gaze and it beckons at you with those hands and i'll i'll say uh well that that's new is do you do you want to follow it um i've had Bad luck interacting with things, but it it is a dream, and we are, I suppose, explorers here. So may uh, as well. Well, I guess we'll just have to be on our guard, and I'll uh, I'll reach into my. Well, actually, I'll I'll ask. Uh, did 
Did you have a knife on that altar as well? He did, Mr. Monroe. Yeah, okay. He did as well. I was all, all tell him that he might want to might want to keep that uh, easily accessible then, and I'll start off after it. I'll say, I'll, I, I will, but uh, dealing with weapons is not exactly where I my strong suits lay as I, well, I follow him, but stay behind him and his shotgun. Yeah, as uh, if anything comes at us from behind, just hold the pointy end out. Okay. I'll do my best. <laughs> so you uh, go off the small path uh, in pursuit of this little rodent, and it stops every now and then to make sure that you are indeed behind it. The pickings are a little bit more difficult, but not outside of either of your ability. And you begin to hear a, the bubbling sound of water, like maybe a tiny brook or or stream. But also, I will need a listen roll from both of you. Mm. Oof. <laughs> oh, so, oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, so you, you freeze for a moment, Monroe, because you hear... But it kind of sounds like a wild cat's yowl, but much more subtle than that. It's it's the same sort of quality. This this sound that is coming from the back of some throat somewhere, but it's it has a more bass to it. And you can see why when you perhaps ask Whitmire what that was, if he looks confused, why you might have missed it over the sound of your travel. Uh, Whitmire, of course, you didn't hear it, and you didn't quite fumble, so you're in the clear there. You just didn't hear the sound. Okay. But I can say, Monroe, that you do not like it one bit. Okay. Um, is it in the direction, or, or can I point to a, a direction that it came from? It appears to be coming from wherever this rodent is leading you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll uh, tell Whitmire to have his shotgun ready because whatever, whatever it is leading us to may not be something we want to see. Hmm. So, which, if we were heading west, which direction did we cut off this, to follow this thing? Off to the north. Okay. Say, so, well, you know what? I think we've made a terrible mistake. As uh, I, if I'm recalling correctly from that letter now, it I think it specifically mentioned don't you know, like to ignore the things, these things. Oh, um, in in like a nervous quality i mean like um uh, and, uh, <laughs> I, I suppose we we should probably leave slowly back to the path yeah and i'll i'll start uh you know backpedaling a little bit watching that thing um yeah just keeping an eye out behind us okay so all i want is a, a navigate roll from both of you this i'm not even really looking for success we're just checking for fumbles you haven't gone far off the path so Right. If anyone's gonna fumble, it'll be me. No, see, look at that. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we we both know where we're going. I was apparently paying very close attention in case I had to run away. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> you are both able to navigate back to this trail, uh, and that's an exaggeration of what it would be. And you are back on it, traveling west. And you know, after a bit of travel, you do come to. The edge of the forest and there you see the cottages and uh, a conglomeration of more buildings closer together further in the distance and beyond that that great giant peak and unfortunately guys I am out of time 
I keep getting the. <laughs> we get to right to the edge of the forest. <laughs> but in this case, I uh, promise you, we will pick it up first thing in our next session. As I, I was going to uh, say to Monroe, like from this point, we have to run because <laughs> sure. I never make it past here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you, well, As, uh, thanks, though, Travis. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Thanks for playing, guys. Uh, appreciate it. And we will catch you all next time. We'll go ahead and do those luck rolls and skill rolls. Okay, uh, luck thing. Now I start getting these these hard successes. Okay, so luck was a no. Um, we'll try my. I got my listen and my. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.